Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples Podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman. This morning I'd like to begin with a brief devotional thought based on Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. This section is known as the calling of Levi. After these things, he, that is Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Maybe you've heard somebody say before, you have to admit you have a problem before you can get help. This is one of the first steps in the 12 steps of the AA program is admitting that you have a problem. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here in our text is that he did not come for those who don't think they have a problem. He did not come for those who are well on their own. He came for those who are sick. In our text, we see this calling of Levi. Levi was the Hebrew name for the disciple Matthew. Matthew or Levi, same individual, both uh, both refer to the same man and he followed Jesus. Now Levi was a tax collector and what that meant at the time of Jesus was that he would go about on behalf of the Roman Empire as a Jew and collect money from his fellow Jews and sometimes these tax collectors would even take a little bit of money off the top for themselves and put that money in their own pocket. So we see here is a general societal cultural viewpoint looking down upon Matthew or Levi and the other tax collectors. The Jews did not like tax collectors. In fact, they, they again and again in the Gospels, we see tax collectors and sinners being aligned with one another. Tax collectors are sinners and sinners are tax collectors. And those higher up in the spiritual religious world did not associate with tax collectors and sinners. So the scribes, the Pharisees were quite offended when Jesus sat down to eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners. And this is where Jesus gives this this quite stinging remark to the Pharisees and scribes who thought they were well on their own. They thought through their own righteousness or through their heritage as children of Abraham, they thought that God viewed them as better people than anyone else. And so they didn't think they needed a physician. That's exactly what Jesus says. Those who are well have no need of a physician. And indeed, if you're feeling good, you're not going to go to a doctor. You might go to an occasional checkup, but you don't go to the emergency room unless you're actually having an emergency. You don't go uh, to the clinic, uh, to the urgent care, unless there is something urgent going on, unless you have something that is making you not well. So you need to realize first that you have a problem. And this is exactly the point that Jesus is saying. You need to understand that you have a problem. And once you understand you have a problem, then you can hear about the solution to that problem. So this is why God gives us the two main teachings of the Bible. The law, which shows us our problem, SOS shows our sins, and also the gospel, which then shows us our Savior, which shows us how, how God saved us through his son, Jesus Christ. But if you don't first admit and realize that you have a problem, a great big problem that, that uh, you can't do anything about, you can do nothing, 
for your eternal salvation. You can do nothing to to uh, uh, choose God. You can do nothing about your the state of your own sinfulness. You need someone to come and help you. And indeed, that's what God did through his son, Jesus. He, he rescued us from our sin. He took our sins away. He credits us with his righteousness. And now when we turn to him in repentance, that is sorrow over our sin and trusting in Jesus for salvation, he does make us well. And this is exactly the, what happened with, with Matthew or Levi, uh, this individual who was a tax collector. He uh, uh, realized he had a problem that no one could help with, him with, not the Jewish people, not the Pharisees and scribes, not the Roman Empire. No one could help Matthew with his problem. And yet when Jesus called him to follow me, Levi dropped all and followed him because he knew that by faith that Jesus was the answer to his great problem, the problem of sin. And so for all of us, as we follow Jesus in our lives, we realize first what he has done for us, that he has healed us as our physician, that we were sick with sin and it was incurable, except by the blood of Jesus Christ, which washes us and makes us clean. So first we need to realize we're sinners before we can then realize who our Savior is. And thanks be to God for this great Savior who rescued us and who did come to call us sinners to repentance. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you for your great blessings uh, in coming to this world and for calling us sinners to repentance. Bless us, O Lord, as we continue to walk as your children in this world and give us strength and courage to face the day, whatever you may have ahead for us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, got quite a few announcements for you today. Uh, today is, again, March 23rd, 2022. The Pew Restoration Plan has been shifted back. We were planning on starting this Monday uh, due to a number of complications and unforeseen events. Uh, this The Pew Recovering is being pushed back to March 29th, which is going to be next Tuesday they will start. So we had canceled Saturday evening service and Bible class in Sunday school. However, uh, Saturday evening service is back on, and there will still be Sunday school and Bible class on Sunday. However, there will not be Bible class and Sunday school on Saturday night. So because the arts camp is taking place in the gym this weekend, uh, March 25th through the 27th, there will not be Bible class or Sunday school. And this actually works out pretty well because the Saturday night Bible class was quite a bit ahead of the Sunday morning Bible class. So we're probably going to be able to uh, catch up and, and get on the same page uh, because of this. So that worked out worked out pretty well. So please note, there will be Saturday night and Sunday morning services as usual this weekend. No Saturday evening Bible class or Sunday school, but we will have Sunday morning Bible class and Sunday school. Um, today, again, our Lent series continues with our study of the third petition of the Lord's Prayer as we are considering Lord, the, our theme, Lord, teach us to pray. Pastor Neil Radical is preaching today on the third petition, which is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Also, would like to encourage you to grab a yard sign. We have a, num a number of yard signs still in our narthex in the entryway at church. Uh, you can write your name down on the sheet, sign up, and put the sign up in your yard to advertise for our school. We encourage you to keep it out there for a while. And then keep it in the garage or somewhere at home until next fall. We'll tell you, ask you to put them out again. Uh, those stakes, again, don't use your foot to, to stake them down or else it will break and bend. Um, so please uh, consider helping promote our school. I think we have the best school in Mankato. And so please keep, uh, keep that in mind as we continue to promote our church and school with your help and prayers. Uh, on our prayer list today, uh, Miss ne Mrs. Nellie Edwards, uh, again, last week was scheduled for a surgery. That surgery was delayed due to a 
uh, uh, co positive COVID test. Uh, that surgery has now been rescheduled for the first week of April. So we pray the Lord would bless her as she prepares for that surgery once more. We keep praying for Sue Schwein. Sue had a brain surgery in January, January and she is still recovering uh, and her body is still healing from that surgery. So we pray the Lord would, would keep her. We also pray on behalf of Judy Milkey, who's had a number of health complications lately. And uh, we keep praying for her that the Lord would bless her and give her strength uh, to face the, the days ahead of her as well. And finally, we also continue to pray for uh, all those affected by the war in Ukraine, uh, those displaced Christians and those who are, are uh, uh, being affected by this in any way. We pray the Lord would bring peace about in his world. Uh, okay, so that brings us now to our meet, the faculty portion of our session today. Our, our guest today is Mrs. Helena Stevens. Uh, Mrs. Stevens is the school counselor, uh, so she's not a full-time faculty member, uh, but she is here at school quite a bit working with our students. Here's what that interview sounded like. I am joined today by Mrs. Stevens. Mrs. Stevens is our school counselor here at Emanuel. Um, she's been working among us for, how long did you say? Three years Helena? now, almost three years. Three years now. So we were talking just before uh, we started our interview here, and I was thinking about uh, when you first joined us at Emanuel as far as membership, and I was thinking, it's about as old as our daughter's Olivia. Yes. <laughs> the daughter's Olivia. The daughter's Olivia. So we... almost five years ago, I think, July of 2017 was when we moved okay. here and yep. started coming to church. Yep, yep. So my Olivia was born in May of 17, and then your Olivia was born... August. August 17. Okay, mm -hmm. so are they both going to be in kindergarten next year? Is that right? I think so. Okay, well, that's... Exciting and scary, I think. The dynamic duo or the terrible duo. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find we'll out. We'll see. The daughter's Olivia. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so uh, we just were interviewing Mrs. Stevens today for uh, our Get Meet the Faculty. Once again, the Meet the Faculty uh, uh, series here I think is important for you as members of Emmanuel to get to know the intimate details of what's going on at the school. Who are these people who have been called to work among the little lambs at Emmanuel? And uh, it's been a fun process just to kind of get to know um, the different faculty members. So a little bit of background first, maybe Helena, uh, where did you grow up? So I was born in Barstow, California, and if nobody's familiar with where that is, that's an okay thing because it's not a memorable California location. Okay. But it's about two and a half hours west of Las Vegas. Um, but okay. my father's retired from the military, so we moved to Japan um, when I was, I think, about two. And then close to seven years, we you're seven years old, we moved back to Barstow. We were there for four years, and then we moved to Redlands, um, California, which is about 60 miles east of Los Angeles, and that's where I went to middle school, high school, undergraduate, and graduate before I moved to Texas to do my doctoral program, but in between, I lived in Albuquerque. Um, so then after Corpus, I moved to River Falls, Wisconsin, where I was working at UW-River Falls. We were there for three years, and then we came to Mankato, and now we've been here for five years, so I've kind of... Grown up in a lot of different places around the over. U.S. and world, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, as a pastor's kid, I, you know, Wisconsin, Alaska, yeah. Yep. So I know what it's like to move <laughs> around a lot, so I, I can appreciate that. Sure. Um, you mentioned we moved around, so you wanna, you're married, you have kids. We already it's, talked about Olivia, but... Yeah, um, so Jacob and I have been married for almost six years now, and he has my gift from God, for sure. Um, we had Livy almost five years ago, and then I have Liam, who is in the sixth grade here. He'll be 12 this summer. Okay, okay, awesome. Um, so Helena, uh, you are the school counselor. Have you always imagined that you would be a counselor? Is this something you 
wanted to do when you were a little kid, or was it something that kind of developed later? Was there an event that took place that moved you in this direction? Or There was definitely an event. Um, I wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. Oh. Well, until about my <laughs> right? uh, high standards for myself. Yeah. Um, why did I want to be a lawyer and a judge? I don't really remember, but I know that saliently, that's what I always wanted to do. Oh. Um, and so I did a lot in my undergrad, of course, with um, political science coursework and pre-law coursework. And it was in my third year, so my junior year of undergrad, that I took a class called American Presidency. And it was the most awful course I'd ever taken. I did not like the instructor either. And I remember feeling really disgruntled because I learned a lot about, you know, the policy and procedure of the presidency. And then you reflect on what's actually happening in the world. Mm. Granted, I was in my early 20s, so I didn't know a whole lot about the world. But I saw the inconsistency and the incongruencies. And my passion for law was always for the people. I wanted to do things that helped the people. And so that experience in that class was a game changer for me. And in reflecting on what I had already done also in my coursework, I had taken a lot of sociology and anthropology courses. And I thought that would be a better fit for me because I'm very interested in understanding people. Counseling is about helping and understanding people. So at that change in my life, I didn't um, think of school counseling at the time, but I thought of maybe social work or um, teaching potentially. And... There's a a lot of experiences in my life and a lot of experiences working with kids um, that would take up too much time to talk. But (laughs) at the heart of all of them is um, meeting people, myself included, in a place of brokenness and seeing an opportunity to help in any which way that I could. I grew up um, in a pretty broken household and my school counselor was very influential in helping me navigate a lot of like really choppy waters and difficult um, things in my life. And to become a school counselor was an opportunity to help more people, not just like myself, but other um, kids who can more or less navigate um, the academic part of life, but really struggle social emotionally. And that's what pushed me into um, pursuing school counseling was an opportunity to give back. From there, I was really inspired um, in the research world and looking at what we were doing, understanding what works and what doesn't work to go even further to get a doctorate um, and to be at a higher level of systemic change by, um, this is going to sound kind of precocious of me, but I said, I want to change the way that we do things in school counseling. (laughs) That was my goal. Um, And so to get to that goal, I've done a lot of research that looks at what actually works for kids who need it the most and how we can be be better, do better, um, and that's been what I get to do in the classroom at MSU, is training people who will go out into the workforce to help others to do it more intentionally, to do it more um, critically and responsively so that we're not just wasting time when we um, have people who, especially in this time and age post-pandemic, who mm-hmm. really need help. Yeah, yeah. So the best way to, to help, as you see it, is to teach the teachers. <laughs> the kind they of will meet more kids in yeah. their lifespan than I will. Um, and yeah. so my service, my, um, yeah, my servitude is more so in the classroom these mm-hmm. days. Um, and it's been just a huge blessing to use my own stories, use my own testimonies. I, I've had a lot of lived experiences, both good and bad. And when I'm like, why? God, what did you need from me for all of this? Mm -hmm. I've got a dozen stories that I can always share with Mm -hmm. um, other students who thankfully won't ever have those lived experiences so that they have a deeper understanding of what it is people are going through so that their um, approaches for empathy and, um, you know, positive regard can be more intentional because they will have, 
even if not a first-hand experience, a third-count experience of, of here's what it's like to go through the stuff that we go through in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you detailed a little bit. You want to go in a little bit more about your school background, uh, what degrees you got and where you got them? Yes. Um, so my bachelor's is in sociology, anthropology. I kept the minor in government because I took so many classes. Sure. <laughs> and that yeah. was at the University of Redlands. I also did my master's in counseling and education at the University of Redlands, and then I did uh, my PhD in counselor education and supervision at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. In Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. okay. I have a brother who's in Corpus Christi. I've heard there's quite there. a few people moving down that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, the Durst, not a bad place the Durst to be. moved down there too, I guess, so uh, pretty warm, although we are getting some warmer days here finally here in Minnesota, so. Yeah, I know people have mixed feelings about that, and then <laughs> I'm like, bring it. <laughs> I miss it, I miss, the humidity down south is a little bit different because you're by the coastal area, okay, yeah. but um, yeah. it was a good, it was a good orientation to humidity before coming here um, because when I got to Corpus I'd never experienced anything like that before and it was pretty dreadful and now then moving to the Midwest it was like oh I got this (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this already it's not so bad so uh, you want to detail a little bit for us so you're the school counselor here how much do you work here and then you're you're also a assistant professor up at MSU. Yep. So what work do you do there? Can you kind of just outline for us those sure. details? Um, so I'm the program coordinator of the school counseling program at MSU. I've been a school counselor educator for eight years now. Um, I spent three years at River Falls as a school counselor educator as well. And now I'm in my fifth year um, here at MSU. So that's my full-time regular job. My school counseling job is actually through the district. They provide funding for non-public school guidance. Um, and the person prior to me, Ruth Ahrens, when she retired, um, it opened up the spot in the district and Kyle, um, the previous principal, was able to advocate that they hire me um, and being a member of the church, it was a great opportunity for them to have a licensed person who's also a member, has a, you know, a child in the school as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I mean, a really huge blessing because hiring procedures it would be open to everybody and anybody would have the opportunity to apply and um, Kyle was able to negotiate with the district for them to open it up just for me and so I only get five hours um, but we've been able to do a a lot five five hours hours a week we've been able to do a lot with five hours more than um, I knew was possible and Hmm. so um, here at the school I do a lot of the college and career guidance for our upperclassmen but we've also been um, focusing more this year on social emotional support for our kids who um, you know are struggling with things like anxiety depression we have um, some ideas moving forward about small group support for kids who are going through family changes experiencing loss Um, so we've really transformed um, a lot in just three years with a little bit of time and um, it's been really amazing awesome so you work in in the public school at MSU and you also work here mm-hmm. so from your perspective you know I appreciate your perspective on why why Christian education is so important mm-hmm. um, and obviously your child is enrolled here so you obviously yeah. you think it's important so yes like, why, why do you think so <sighs> that's a great question because um, I went to public school my whole life okay so I'm not against public school of course yeah. but when I when I think of like what development and exposure do I want my children to have I want them to be exposed Um, early on to um, our faith and I want them to have intentional development with our faith because you know as a kid I went to a lot of like youth group stuff and we did bible study 
but I, I feel like it's been later in my adulthood that I've really been grounded in my faith and rooted in, um, you know, in our, in our Christian values and how that influences my life. And so I think if I could have started sooner, at, you know, early childhood, how would that have mitigated the rest of the life experiences that I've had? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you think of um, educational development for kids, we give them building blocks, if you will, for the academics um, yeah. and other types of personal social. If I'm giving my kids the building blocks in their faith, um, I just think of how much more, I can't think of the word, but like it's such an amazing thing to be able to do for them, to give them the building blocks of their faith, because that will carry them Mm -hmm. the rest of their lives, just like we say, you know, basic math and literacy does. Um, And so I just feel like it's a a huge protective factor to give them early on because our society only continues to spiral out of control and... (laughs) um, what the kids, what my kids will encounter one day later in life, um, who knows what that will look like, but we're giving them that, um, that foundation now. Right. You know, Peter talks about how we're all living stones and, you know, no mm-hmm. other foundation can be laid except that which was laid. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Holy Scriptures, the prophets and the apostles writing God's word for us. And, yeah. you know, if you're able to establish that foundation in these kids' lives early on, mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. in life when the storms and the, the you know, the... the yeah crashing waves come down that that foundation is what's going to be able to hold them through the like you say the yes challenging situations that you know and that's one of the neat things about religion is you know religion isn't there for when everything's cushy and easy yeah (laughs) Uh, christ is there for when things are really really difficult in your life and that's a lot of what you deal with as a school counselor is when Mm -hmm. kids are really having the hardest time um that's when you know the spiritual side of things can really make Mm -hmm. the biggest difference is uh, in, in those most difficult times absolutely Cool. Um, so you're you're heavily you're heavily uh, a part of the school that we're working, and you're also a member at the church. So I guess mm-hmm. one of the things I'd like to ask you about is what can we do as far as a church and school to improve our work, improve the ministry, the relationship that we have between the church and the school, and so forth. Sure. Um, I think about this a lot because we moved here, um, and. We don't, I kind of joke, we're not from like the original five tribes of the Olmansons and the Hanels, <laughs> yeah. and we don't have... Neither am I, so I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have family roots here, um, and it can be really hard to find your footing sometimes, and we have a lot of new families who have immigrated here and have moved here, and mm-hmm. so there's an opportunity for in-reach when we have new families who come not only to the, you know, to the church, but also to the school, and so... Um, I would love to see more done to um, connect the five original tribes, if you will, or the people who have deep family roots and systems to connect them more to us outsiders. Um, I think even after five years, it's still sometimes difficult to figure out how to make those connections yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if you don't make those connections, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't it doesn't bring um, more community that um, I think a lot of us are desperate for sometimes because mm-hmm. I see the church as like you're my large family, yeah. uh, my extended family. Everything I do revolves around um, being with my congregation and helping my congregation. Yeah. And so, like I said, finding your foot in there, even when you're a part of the school, it's not as easy as one might think. Um, and putting yourself out there can be a very vulnerable process. And I feel like there's a lot of people who, for maybe fear and security, don't put themselves out there and so then they're just they're isolated and that's very lonely Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard on the heart so I would um, love to see more done with um, getting the new members and the people connected with um, people who've been in the church for lineages um, 
family support programs, after school opportunities for the kids to just keep um, building community with each other. I know Neil's been doing more with um, outdoor activities Mm -hmm. and that's been really awesome um, to have that going. And so I just, I hope to see an increase in all of those efforts um, to keep building the community with the kids and the families um, and just having those chances to do that. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. You know, I think everyone's searching for a community of like-minded people, you know, where's, where's my group? And, you know, uh, I think, here at Emmanuel, we are large enough and diverse enough, mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. Uh, but, and yet we're all united in the truth of God's Word, which is a really neat neat thing. Yes. That we have this one thing in common that's going to unite us no matter what our mm-hmm, background mm-hmm. or what our uh, uh, other peripheral issues may be or peripheral details may be, is we're united in this one thing, and that's something that's, mm-hmm. that, can, uh, that o- overcomes all barriers or boundaries, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a lot about your work in the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about outside the school? Helena, what are some of your hobbies or, or, or things you like to do outside of the classroom? I am a sports fanatic, oh. and I play um, soccer, softball, volleyball. You've coached the soccer team here. I have right? coached the soccer team. Um, I'm hoping to be able to coach the high school team this upcoming okay. season. It, cool. It's it's on my, my wish list, and mm-hmm. it will depend on how my work schedule plays out. But um I've done a lot of coaching at the YMCA for my kids because when I moved here, I didn't know how to get involved with adult athletics. So I started coaching and realized how passionate about that I am, of course. Um, But so I found some um, co-ed rec teams and I play year round. We've gotten into things like uh, pickleball and um, spike ball, but I like to do as much outdoors as possible. Winter is probably really hard for me (laughs) because Uh I can't do as much, but uh, I started playing indoor soccer, so that's been a nice thing to do. And we go to the YMCA a lot, and the summertime I like to go hiking and uh, walking a lot. We bought a kayak for the oh, first time, so one of my goals this year was to embrace Midwest living because I just know coastal living, and yep. that meant um, when the outdoor season comes, being an outdoor person yep. more than just walking, so we got the kayak. Cool. We might go camping, oh. um, but other than that, I've gotten into gardening. Oh. That's been my new adult life adventure, and I have two very um, high-strung kids, so okay. you know, you have four. I do, I uh, do, they yeah. keep you very busy. They do, yes, they do. Awesome. Uh, any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners just that you've been thinking about lately or you'd yeah. like to make sure everybody can hear? Um, being here has been a huge blessing, um, and I totally feel called to serve the kids here, and one of the things I want and hope everybody will see in my role as a counselor is that... Um, I'm a, I'm a good person to talk to. Mental health can be really stigmatized. Um, talking about the things that plague us and burden us and our, you know, um, our sins, our faults, our failures, that stuff is really hard to talk about, you know, because you talk to lots of people about it. Yeah. And um, my role here is to help everybody, not just the kids, but the families too. Um, and it's a blessing to be able to talk to somebody about the things that you struggle with, um, the things that plague you your doubts, your worries, your insecurities. And so um, while mental health can be really stigmatized sometimes and feel like it's not an okay thing to talk about or talk to somebody about, it's it's actually a really big blessing. Um, The Bible talks a lot about depression and anxiety and wellness. And and I was thinking about this yesterday as I'm reading my devotions and I'm like, if if mental health wasn't a thing, why would we have it in the Bible? Why would we talk about, why would we hear about what to do with um, anxieties and anger and pain and loss? And so I think it reinforces what I'm about to say, which is um, talking about it is a good thing Mm -hmm. and talking to a person who's trained and licensed um, and not 
just that, but shares the same faith um, and spiritual values, it's a good thing. And so I want people to see me and my role as um, as a positive thing. Not that I'm the greatest person out there, but I'm very blessed to be able to serve everybody. And so to see it as a blessed opportunity to have somebody here to help you. Um, and it's a joy. It is a total joy to give back to the people in my community. Awesome. Well, Speaking for myself and the faculty, we are very blessed to have you, Alina, among us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for all your work and appreciate your time today for the interview. Yes, thank you. Thank you once again to Mrs. Stevens for that interview. We thank her for her continued work among us here at Emanuel. Next week, we'll be interviewing Mrs. Beth Grieve. Uh, She is our English and language teacher here at Emanuel, and so I'll be sitting down with her in the next week, and you'll be able to hear that next week, uh, March 30th. For today, we'll wrap up our podcast with our hymn of the day today, which is hymn 421. It's entitled, Come Follow Me, the Savior Spake. Come follow me, the Savior Spake, all in my way abiding. Deny yourselves the world forsake, obey my call and guiding. Obey the cross, whate'er be tied, take my example for your guide. I am the light, I light the way, a godly life displaying. I bid you walk as in the day, I keep your feet from straying. I am the way and well I show how you must sojourn here below. My heart abounds in lowliness, my soul with love is glowing, and gracious words my lip express with meekness overflowing. My heart, my mind, my strength, my all, to God I yield, on him I call. I teach you how to shun and flee what harms your soul's salvation, your heart from every guile to free from sin and its temptation. I am the refuge of the soul and lead you to your heavenly goal. Then let us follow Christ our Lord, and take the cross appointed, and firmly clinging to his word, and suffering be undaunted. For who bears not the battle strain, the crown of life shall not obtain. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. For more information about the ongoing activity here, we'd invite you to check out our website, emmanuelmankato.org. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.